Well, let me welcome you to Stevenson High Kirk here in North Ayrshire for our morning devotions. I'm just delighted to join you for these precious times together. Well, for the next few weeks, we'll be putting up some of our past sermon recordings, which were recorded during the lockdown. Well, this is to allow us to transition back into recording our church services from our morning devotions at the High Kirk. So thank you in advance for your patience. Well, over the next coming weeks, we do look forward to worshipping together at the High Kirk as we officially meet for our fuller morning services without social distancing. Well, although social distancing will no longer be required, we will still have the gallery area kept at one metre social distancing for those who don't feel confident in sitting together in larger crowds. Well, please remember, masks are still required. Our Welcome Home morning service will therefore be on Sunday the 12th of September at 10.30am. Well, this will also be a communion service. Oh, we really look forward to having you join us. Well, in Revelation, we read, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Well, let's worship the Lord together as we sing in our opening hymn, All People That on Earth Do Dwell. Praise proclaim Let thankful 
As we unite our hearts in prayer, we especially remember today Afghanistan. So let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, today we do pray for Afghanistan. In recent weeks we've witnessed the withdrawal of Western forces and the paramilitary overthrow of the country's government by the Taliban. We're deeply concerned about this unfolding situation and the consequences for the men, women and children living there. Lord, you hear the cries and see the tears of those formed in your own image. We know that politics, diplomacy and international laws have an important part to play in creating and maintaining peace and stability. But oh, how we pray for godly wisdom for international leaders in this moment. We are aware how human efforts alone cannot compel love of neighbour, let alone enemy. Rather, this is a transformational territory of your word and spirit. So would you move your hand to change the hearts and minds of the oppressors even now? Withhold evil and cultivate good. Banish darkness and bring forth your light. O oh, draw especially near to those who have been abused and displaced, violated and oppressed. Would you open their ears and eyes to your presence? We pray for your church there. Oh, would you comfort and strengthen, protect and bless our brothers and sisters. As persecution draws close, oh, that you would draw closer still. Teach us how to respond as we place our hope in you and in your good and sovereign purposes. Lord, in mercy hear our prayers as we offer them in Jesus' precious name who taught us the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Well, I'm now going to invite Daniel to read to us from the word of God. Thanks, Daniel. We now read from the second book of Kings, chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. Joram, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the eighteenth year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned for twelve years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father or mother had done. He got rid of the sacred stone of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Now Misha, king of Moab, raised sheep, and he had to supply the king of Israel with a hundred thousand lambs and with the wolf a hundred thousand rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram set out for Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, he replied. 
I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. By what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has Lord called all three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elijah, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elijah said to the king of Israel, What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elijah said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I do not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he said, This is what the Lord says, Make this valley full of ditches, for this is what the Lord says, You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. Lord, help us through your spirit to apply these eternal truths to our lives. Amen. Well, as many of you know, I grew up in the beautiful island of Skye. And this week I was just reminded again of just the great spiritual awakenings there on that island. Well, it was in 1837 when the Reverend Roderick MacLeod was inducted to Snyzert Parish there just north of Portree after a 14-year ministry, a powerful ministry in Brackadale uh, there on the west coast of Skye. Well, already a spiritual revival was going on throughout Wales and also in Kilsyth, but now it was affecting Skye and it was there in 1842 that spiritual awakening had now grasped many communities throughout the island. Well, Reverend Roderick MacLeod himself records that no fewer than 50 boats were being hauled up on the beach to meet at the ferry bridge there in the north of Skye, where an open-air preaching station was now established. Now, we don't know exactly how many numbers would gather there, but some have estimated between five and 9,000 people attended these open-air gatherings where the presence of God had come in revival. Well, just prior to these great revivals in the 1800s, Reverend Roderick MacLeod had preached a sermon on the very text that we're looking at this morning, there in Second Kings chapter 3. And there in that sermon, he called upon the people of God in preparation for revival. He said this, prepare your hearts, make room for God, and expect the coming blessing. Isn't that lovely? 
Well, when Roderick MacLeod had preached that sermon, it was during a desperate time upon the island. And not just the island, but throughout Scotland. One historian had said, The people went to church, took their seats, and settled down to sleep. Well, that, in a sense, was probably the picture of much of Scotland in these days. There was a lot of religiosity, there was a lot of church going, but oh, there was no heart. And so when Reverend Roderick MacLeod had preached that sermon, it came from a desperate plea, a desperate prayer. Oh, prepare your hearts, make room for God and expect the coming blessing. Well, it was at a communion weekend. That year in his own parish, we're told that possibly between twelve and 15,000 people now gathered. According to one Baptist minister from Broadford, we're told that hundreds fell down as if they were dead. Some were crying, some were violently shaking, others were clapping their hands. Oh, God had come. The presence of God had come in revival to that corner of Scotland. And I know it's the desire of all our hearts, even through this pandemic season. Oh, we, as we prayed last, last Sunday and as we were sharing, oh, we don't want things to be the same when we come out of this pandemic when we come out of this lockdown, when we come out of this wilderness, oh, surely things must be different. And so that's my challenge, is will you prepare your heart? Will you make room for God? And will you expect a coming blessing? We need to get serious about the gospel. I believe we need to get serious about God. I believe we need to get serious about studying his word, making room for prayer, making room for time with God. Do you know, a church can make room for social programmes and for clubs and activities and big events, but we can spend little time with Jesus. Oh, well, it's my prayer. That through this lockdown time, through this desperate situation that we face as a nation, oh, that we will prepare our hearts, that we will make room for God, and that we will expect a coming blessing. The Bible tells us that God desires to bless, even in the most desperate of situations. And that's what we find here in Second Kings chapter 3. We find a desperate situation. Yes, we read there in verse 4, Now Misha, king of Moab, raised sheep, and he had to supply the king of Israel with a hundred thousand lambs and with the wool of a hundred thousand rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And so Israel find themselves in this desperate situation. Moab has rebelled. And so Joram, the king of Israel, Ahab's son, now makes an alliance with Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and also the king of Edom. And they now plan to have revenge on Moab. But we notice that they don't take the normal route. They don't just go into Moab 
and just get vengeance. No. They have a plan. And their plan is not to go directly into Moab, but to go right round Moab and to come in from the south so that they will surprise Moab and defeat them. Sounds like a good plan. Well, (laughs) as we read in chapter 3, it didn't quite work out, did it? They took that long route and were told that after seven days they ran dry. They ran out of water. They were empty. They were in a desperate situation. They were isolated from any help. They will possibly perish here now in the wilderness. What a desperate situation. And you know, I often think, what a picture of the church. Here's this great army in the wilderness. They've run out of water. They've run dry. And you know, the church, with all its planning, with all its programmes, with all the things that we can uh, organise, there are times in the church's life where we feel as if we've run dry, where we've run out of life. We feel that we're stuck in a rut. So what do you do when the water runs dry? What do you do when you're caught in the wilderness, where you feel so empty, so isolated from any help? Well, here in this desperate situation, we find, first of all, I want you to notice Joram, Ahab's son. Here he is. His response is to complain. Did you notice that? Here he is. God has taken us into the wilderness to deliver us into the enemy's hands. Well, that's Joram's response. In a desperate situation, complain. Groan and moan. But notice Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, what a contrast. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, doesn't complain. He doesn't moan and groan. No. Jehoshaphat carries a prayer. He carries a a hope. And he asks, is there a prophet of the Lord here? As Joram complains... You can almost hear him, can't you? Where is God when you need him? It's God's fault that we're stuck in a rut. It's God's fault that we're feeling so empty, so dry, so so barren. How could God allow this? How could God allow this pandemic? Why would God permit us to die in the wilderness? You know, that was Joram. But Jehoshaphat, notice, he seeks after God. We're told there in verse 11, But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here, that we may inquire of the Lord through him? We're also told that Jehoshaphat then went on to say, For the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Of course, that's Elisha the prophet. Jehoshaphat seeks after God. He doesn't complain against God. He knew it wasn't God's fault. He doesn't give a reason for things going wrong. He just declares, we need God. We need to hear a word from the Lord. We need to know God's heart, God's purpose. 
Well, as they go and meet Elijah, as they go to his home, they don't get a very cordial welcome. Elisha comes out and he notices Joram, the son of Ahab and Jezebel. And he basically says to the king of Israel, why don't you go and get an answer from the gods of your mum and dad? Why don't you go and find Baal? Oh, Elisha knew Joram well. He knew his heart wasn't for God. He knew that he was half-hearted about even seeking after God. He, he wasn't serious. It was really Jehoshaphat. He was the one who was serious with God. But he also knew that God would bless. He knew that God would bless because of his promise, God's own promise, to the house of David, to the throne of David, to the line of Judah. And so because Jehoshaphat was there, Elisha knew that God would bless, God would answer. In another way, because of Jesus, God will bless. Because of God's promise to the throne of David that there, there is one coming, that the Messiah is coming, who will come of the lion of the line of Judah. He will be the lion of the tribe of Judah, the place of praise. He will be of that tribe of praise. And now we find Elisha asking for a harpist to come. And now this place of desperation for Elisha, he, he enters into a place of praise. And as the harpist plays and as the music continues, there Elisha seeks the face of God. Well, often when we seek after God, you know, the temptation is just to come with our moans and our groans and our complaints. But as Reverend Roderick MacLeod preached, oh, he encouraged the congregation there in Sky during these revivals, to prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. And I often find that in preparing my own heart in the presence of God, often it is to start to praise. I love listening to the music of worship. I love listening to the, the old metrical psalms unaccompanied. I love the some of the contemporary worship songs. I love the redemption hymns and the great classic hymns. And often in that place of praise, listening to music, sometimes I feel my heart just then comes into the presence of God with a different attitude. And so, yes, we're to prepare our hearts and to make room for God. And this is now the challenge Yes, there was a desperate situation, but now we notice that as Elisha seeks the face of God, he receives an answer, and the answer will come in a remarkable and an unusual way. Here they were, dry and empty, no water. When things went dry, they had to find the source. They went to the Lord. And this episode in Elisha, he reminds me of the, the wedding there at Cana. When the wine had run dry, when the wine had run out, they went straight to the source to find the answer. They went to Christ. And here they were to, to go to the source. They were to prepare their hearts. Oh, start digging 
Elisha told them. Start digging ditches in this wilderness. The Lord will fill it. He will bless. Water will come. And so they were now to face a difficult challenge. They were now to start digging ditches in the wilderness. You know, it reminds me also of Isaac there when he was told to start digging the wells. You know, when we start digging, we're making room for God. What a beautiful picture as Isaac was digging the wells, making room for God to sovereignly move. And here in this wilderness, they were to prepare their hearts. They were to start digging. In this wilderness of disappointment, in this wilderness of discouragement, in this wilderness of loneliness, in this wilderness of regret, pain, bereavement, loss, sin, failure, were to go to God. We're to find Christ. We're to find the source of life. We're to find that river. And that river is in Christ himself. And God promises to bless because of Jesus. And so what an encouragement. For those who are going through a wilderness, God promises that he can still bless even in the wilderness, even in a dry valley, even when we get stuck in a rut. Oh, there's a promise of blessing because of Jesus, because of Christ's death on the cross, there's a way now into the blessing of God. Well, now here in the chapters, we notice that, yes, God fulfills his promise to the house of David. As the water now comes and fills all these ditches, we're told that as the sun rose in the morning, Moab looked out And they were convinced, because this was the wilderness of Eden, the soil being red, it made the water look like blood, and they were convinced that Israel, Judah and Edom had fought each other, and that this was their blood. And so Moab thought, oh, we've already won. And so they went out to collect their spoils. And as they entered into the camp, the army of Israel, Judah and Edom rose up and conquered Moab at this point. The enemy were routed because of that blood, or what they thought was blood. Well, what an encouragement for anyone who's going through a wilderness. God still promises to bless us with streams of living water because of the blood of Jesus. Because of Calvary, because of what Jesus accomplished there on the cross, we can know God's blessing even when we find ourselves running empty, running dry, when we feel that we're stuck in a rut. I wonder this morning, are you in a wilderness? Do you feel as if you're running on empty? Do you feel as if you're stuck in a rut? Well, as Elisha encouraged the army, start digging ditches in your lives. Start making room. Prepare your hearts. Make room for God and expect the coming blessing. What a wonderful sermon they must have heard there just on the eve of the revivals there on Sky. But it's a word for us today, isn't it? That when we're going through a wilderness, when we feel as if we're running dry and empty, when we feel that we're stuck in a rut, oh, let's prepare our hearts. Let's start digging. 
Let's make room for God, that he will move sovereignly in our day, that he will bless our land, that he will bless our lives again, that we will see a a wonderful day of renewal and revival, and that we would expect a coming blessing. Oh, may the Lord bless you as you continue to pray, as you continue to seek the face of God. Oh, may the Lord fill your emptiness. May he fill your wilderness. May he fill this season with his blessing that you will find the source of life in Christ himself. Oh, the Lord bless you. Well, I'm now going to ask Bethany to lead us in our intercessory prayers. Thanks, Bethany. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and eternal God, we worship and delight in your presence this morning. And count it all joy to sing and shout the praises of Christ our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As we draw near to the throne of grace and prayer, we give thanks to you, our Heavenly Father, our wonderful Saviour and promised Holy Spirit, one God. As we approach the place of prayer, you invite us to bring all our sins, our griefs, our worries and our concerns, especially the issues that consume our thoughts and hearts. You invite us to lift up our hands and voices in prayer for all people. And so we lift up a broken world. We pray for those who face the bitter struggles of war, death and loss. And for others who face such despair and fear through famines, earthquakes, fires and other disasters that have come so unexpectedly upon many parts of our world over these past weeks. We especially pray to you, Lord Jesus, our Prince of Peace, whose peace brings dignity and freedom for all men, women and children. And so may the peace of Christ flood our homes, our streets, our communities and all nations of the world, bringing new life and hope. As we pray nearer to home, be with our children and young people. As they have now returned to school, be close to those who struggle and feel anxious about the new term as well as the pupils we lift up our teachers. Lord, we continue to ask for your protection for the staff and volunteers across the whole range of medical, caring and emergency services. We pray for all who are in trouble, sick, lonely, bereaved and broken. By the power of your love, cast out all fears so that your kingdom may advance and the earth be filled with the knowledge of your love and glory. As we turn to you, O Lord, bless us. May your love and joy abide with us and keep those who are absent from us within the protection of your love. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Bethany, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, we're now going to worship together as we sing that great hymn, Rejoice the Lord is King. Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Mortals give thanks and sing and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say, rejoice. 
strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always. Amen.